Welcome to episode 100 of Running Matters. My name is Matt North. I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Hadfield. Matt, congratulations on your coastal run. Yeah, thanks, mate. Had a good race. 12-minute PB? It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened out there. Amazing. You just had a good day. Yeah, yeah, one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't happen too often. Accidents don't happen. Hard work. The hard work's paid off. It was some. It was some. Yeah. Who'd have thought? 100 episodes, mate. Well done. We made it. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah. And, yeah, it's nice to do it sober. This is good. (laughs) Our uh, our special guest today is Risha Lewis. Thanks for joining us today, Risha. No, thanks for having me. Okay, before we get into it, I'd like to thank our partners, Renella, Goo Energy, Guy Me Allied Health, Basecamp Attitude, Fractel, Cronulla Beer Co, Raid Light and Running Matters Coaching. Fantastic, mate. Yep. So... um, if we can just put our listeners into context before we start sharing your story, it's always nice to know where our interviewees are located. And you're from the Glasshouse Mountains, the, the hinterland area of the Sunshine Coast. Yes, yeah. Nice, uh, nice, part, of, nice part of the world. Oh, it's beautiful. Got all the mountains in my backyard, so yeah, find got, them daily. How good is that? We, you know, we've got to travel into the national park and go seek them out but you've got them you know at your doorstep yep straight out my window i can see one now oh beautiful which one are you looking at out there risha uh the coochin twins okay they've got some cracking names actually i remember running around there a bit mountain yeah coochin twins if i look out the other window i've got mount biwar so i've got a few i, I believe mount biwar is your favorite is that right oh definitely yeah i've got a mount biwar tattoo on my ankle Oh, there you go. Nice. So. Nice one. All right. So let's um before we get into it, why don't we why don't we introduce the Risha from from six years ago? Tell us tell us what you were what you were doing then, and then we'll we'll go through your story to where you are now. Well, six years ago, six years ago, I was severely overweight. Um, I didn't realize how unhappy I was, but yeah, overweight, 142 kilos, not active at all. Had um, got my husband and a three-year-old and a six-month-old. And, yeah, we weren't doing much, weren't active at all. Um, just overweight and unfit. And I was talked into climbing one of the Glasshouse Mountains on Australia Day um, by family members and friends before we had a Australia Day barbecue. So um, we all went out to the mountains. A couple of kids came. They all beat me to the top, of course. I struggled, struggled big time. Um, could only walk, walk like 10 metres, had to stop, rest, puff the whole way up. But I got to the top and it was absolutely beautiful, breathtaking. Like, So we sat there for at least half an hour. I had to catch my breath, have some water. We toddled back down and, um, yeah, I come home and I was upset. Like I cried and we got ready, went to the barbecue and yeah, it took a lot out of me, but um, it made me realise how unfit I was, how unhealthy I was and I had to do something about it. So it was like a, a life-changing moment. Um, so from that moment, we like I went to the barbecue, I was talking to my mum and mum's like, it's all right, we're going to get up, we're going to do it three days a week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning, mum would come to my house she only lived 10 minutes away she'd pick me up by three in the morning because we had to be back by 5 30 so my husband could go to work so every morning I got up at quarter to three I got dressed and we went out to Nagundagun and we climbed it um and then I'd get home and half the time my husband would already be up and our daughter Nevaeh who's only six months old would be awake so my day started at quarter to three in the morning with a mountain climb then I come home to my children awake um so we just did that three days a week and the weight just started coming off at that size like it, it didn't take a diet change at that point it just took three mornings a week being active and um yeah I just built from there and then adjusted my food and we went to five days a week seven days a week nine times a week where Monday um Tuesday and Thursday while the kids were at daycare once they got a bit older I would then go in the still in the morning at three and then at nine after I dropped them at daycare I'd go again and um yeah I slowly built from that and um started seeing a PT 
once a week, then twice a week, still with the mountain climbing, then added bike riding, just adjusted my exercise and um, then obviously the food over time. Um, I think I got to about four months and I'd lost 20 kilos and I sort of hit a wall. It's like my body was used to getting up at three, climbing the mountain, that's what we did, and um, the weight just sort of stopped there. So then I started tweaking with the food and bread's the first thing I dropped um breads and carbs really like I did a low carb diet and um did a paleo I did keto for a while I just adjusted things and um then really played around with my food and found what worked for me and what didn't um but I found bread was a big thing and then dropping a lot of people eat their children's leftovers like if they don't eat their crust and they don't eat their toast and they eat that as well. So I stopped eating off my children's plates because that was extra calories every day. Like, in, you know, it might be four or 500 extra calories by eating your kids' leftovers. Give it to the dog, put it in the bin. So I always do that now. I don't eat it off my children's plates. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I still climb the mountains. And um, I just set little goals for myself because obviously in your mind at 142 kilos, you have to stay motivated. You have to, yeah, but to tell yourself every day you got like 60 kilos to lose, like that's going to, it's not going to take two weeks. It's not going to take a month. It's not going to take 12 months. It's going to take years. So I didn't focus on how much I had to lose because you weren't going to enjoy it. You weren't going to stick with it. And um, it had to be a life change, not just, I'm going to go on a diet for a couple of months because then you're just going to put it back on anyway. But I think um, finding the mountains, um, and I just loved it. So finding something you love and enjoy, like I won't, like I'll climb for the rest of my life now. Like I, I won't be able to live without it. That's how much I love it. That's how much it means to me. Um, but finding um, like little goals, like I, like I focused on being 120 kilos. So 22 kilos to lose. So that was my focus start was just be 120 20 kilos so once I saw that number I focused on 100 and at 100 kilos my goal was to climb Mount Beale the biggest of the glasshouse mountains and the hardest like you're climbing like a monkey you're not just hiking you're full on like rock climbing without a harness um and I, I remember that day clearly it actually popped up on my phone on um Thursday so six years ago um I climbed it for the first time with a friend and um, yeah, three and a half hours, my whole body was aching. I was exhausted and it was terrifying, mm. terrifying. And I was never doing it again. I was like, yeah, that's ticked off. I'm never doing that one again. But um, since I can see it from my backyard, I have the washing daily and it's like, yeah, she was drawing me in and um, I go out there daily now to climb her like it's nothing up and down in under 30 minutes so <laughs> I'm, back. I'm, guessing, I'm guessing you've got the Strava segment uh, I have the yeah the fastest overall I'm beating all the males so I can go my fastest time on Strava up and down Mount Beeler is 26 minutes and 57 seconds there you go <laughs> you're, so, sitting, you're sitting it down there's there's a benchmark yeah I think it's going to take someone Oh, I don't even know if someone in Australia could beat that. I'd, I'd put that out there. There's there's a, two males. One's got the fast time up. One's got the fast time down. But that's the thing. They hammer it up and one can't come down fast and one can't go up fast but can hammer it down. I don't know. I think it's going to take someone, yeah, quite special to beat that time. I'll put it out there. I don't know if someone can. A male probably could. I, I doubt if a female in Australia could beat that time. I love it. I yeah. love the confidence. Yeah, I like that. I've actually climbed and descended Mount Biwar before, and that is a scary, scary mountain. Like you're proper, yeah. proper down climbing, like on the way down. It, it feels super sketchy. So doing that quickly. Yeah. To come down under 10 minutes. I think it's come down, um, yeah, in under nine minutes on my fastest time ever. And um, from, from the car park or a little shelter near the toilet block, people have told me it looks like I'm falling. <laughs> so <laughs> they call it controlled falling. Um, but, yeah, I, I think your body just gets used to it. And, like, during COVID, like, when lockdown first started, the mountains were still open. We are allowed to go out and exercise. So in the first month of lockdown, 
um, I'd climbed 86 times in the month and 55 climbs were Mount Viewer. Wow. So that used to be like a Sunday um, when I was boxing. So my Sunday workout was Mount Viewer six times in a row. So mm. just lap it up and down. I think it took me like three hours 40 to do it six times in a row. Sounds amazing. Uh, my goal is um, <laughs> next year to do it as a half marathon. Um, so 13 laps in under seven hours is my goal. How, how long have you been dating David Goggins for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love David Goggins, hey? Like, yeah, on all my posts and stuff, when I talk to friends, you do the hashtag, stay hard, and, yeah. Oh, he's video. He's motivating. Yeah, he's, he's good. He is. Can we, can we take you back a little bit before that day when you're sort of 30 years old? I, I believe you're a fairly active kid up until you kind of finished high school what kind of stuff were you into back in the day oh, I, did, I was a very active kid so I was um right into sports like sports carnival and cross country age champion um great horse rider and um a soccer player so I was very active right up to 17 um so I actually broke my leg when I was 12 and didn't know and ran a whole sports day on it <laughs> so um <laughs> wasn't until after sports so I thought oh my leg's a bit sore and we went off to the doctor and it was broken three quarters of the way through just below the knee wow. um so I, I come third overall so I was used to being age champion so it didn't sit well with me and I still took out the 800 though on a broken leg so I was happy at that it was <laughs> it was my best event so I'd usually beat them by you know half a lap with the second lap so they were quite um like on my tail so even my um coach was like oh yeah Risha's just not performing today what's wrong with her so and um, yeah it turned out I uh, had a broken leg so unbelievable um, always a hard ass then that's impressive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I broke my hands a few times boxing too so um haven't got weak bones so had a bone density test I'm sure um but yeah I was very active um horse riding and um yeah very active at school um would train every afternoon um run focused on I was better at obviously long distance but I don't know at high school um, primary school cross country is what 2k's is it mm. so yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, so so how do we go from someone who's so driven to 142k's what's what's the process for you so I've been with my husband almost 20 years since I was 16 I think um you know having a partner um you start to feel comfortable are you comfortable around them and um, then you turn 18 and then you get a full-time job and then you yeah, start partying. And so we just drink Friday through to Sunday and then like, half the time I'd work on the Saturday. So I'd be hung over, go to work, we'd get through that. And then um, you just go straight out with your friends again. You drink and go camping and eat bad food and you don't realise how many calories you're constantly putting in while you're laying around on the beach doing nothing, drinking um, and eating bad food. And it just spiralled out of control. And yeah. I didn't realise I'd got so large. Um, even like I look back at photos now and I was just like, oh, I only look in my mind, even looking at the photo, I look big, but I don't look 142 kilos. Um, I see myself as like 20 kilos, heavier than my friends, the other people in the pictures, not 60. So even now to look at it, it still looks like 20 kilos to me, even though I look huge beside them. I don't know. Hey, we're wearing um, curtains. You can disguise anything. You've done a good job. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing too. I, you, I think deep down you do know because you go into the shops and, you know, once I got to a 16, I, I just stopped looking at the tags and, you know, you just go to the back of the rack and you pick up the 18, you pick up the 20, you pick up the 22, you pick up the 24. And, um, yeah, you just... Yeah, you look at it doesn't really sink in. You sort of block it out, push it to the side and you just buy the next size up. Okay, yeah, this is a bit baggier, this is loose, yeah. And you're sort of hiding it, I suppose. Mm, yeah. And um, so I don't know, that day when I really struggled with the mountain, I don't know, it really opened my eyes, I guess. Yeah. And um, I wanted to be a better wife, a better mother, and at that point, I didn't see myself as a role model for my young children. Um, my daughter, Nia, so she's seven now. Um, she looks back at pictures and she tells me, no, that's not you, mummy. I don't know who that is. So, and Archie, who's 10, he goes, no, that's mum when she was bigger. 
And she's <laughs> like, and she doesn't remember me ever being big. So it's hard for her to even look at it because she's like, that's not you. Yeah, that was, your, well, she was three months old when you had that that turn. Uh, she was six months. The first climb I did, she was six months. Six months yeah. And yeah, oh, that was another thing too. There was a couple of mornings, like, because I was so big, you would get tired. Um, but every morning my alarm went off and because people were like, how'd you get up, Risha? You know, because we did all through winter, wet days, like it'd be rainy outside. And my mum would message me at, you know, 2.30 in the morning, quarter three. And she's like, all right you know, it's raining, do you still want to go? I'm like, yeah, we'll go. And right through winter, little headlamps, rugged up, little beanies, it was freezing. You'd still toddle up to the top of the mountain and come down. And every now and then, you know, if I did pull out, I knew it was going to be harder because later on the day I would have to um, then strap my daughter to the front of my chest and take her up too while my (laughs) mum had um, my son Archie. So sometimes she'd have both. But, yeah, as like punishment for not getting out of bed, I'd then have to carry, you know, an eight, 10 kilo baby up the mountain as well. So most mornings I did get up, but that's another thing too. I used to tell myself like, Risha, you hate yourself, get up, do something about it. So to tell yourself, yeah, you hate the person you are nearly every morning of your life for 12 months. So that, yeah, that was strong motivation. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. What what about your mum? Your mum's played a big part in this. Like she's, um, you got to, Take oh, a, huge, off to, a huge part. Yeah, to, yeah. For her to set the alarm at 2.30 every morning and, and get up with you, that's that's huge, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, she loved it. She loved it. So as time went on and um, I got fitter and got lighter, she would go halfway. There's like a cave area. So she, she'd wait the cave area and I'd toggle all over the top because I started running and stuff. And every morning she would, yeah, come out there. So she'd definitely do the three mornings a week. Sometimes she'd do the five. She didn't do the seven though. She didn't do the seven, but um, she's just retired and um, my dad. So they're going to start doing it together because obviously um, as things have gone on and now I'm doing other things and um, my fitness has obviously improved. And so just to fit everything in. Um, so we're not climbing the mountain at three o'clock in the morning anymore. I'm sleeping at three o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> so they're going to start doing it together though, which is cute. Very good. Look, you obviously you look like a completely different person, you know, six years ago to now. What's the change in terms of how you feel? How I feel? Oh, I don't remember what I look back at photos. I'm like, who is that person? I don't remember being that person. Like, I feel incredible now. Like you get up, you you spring out of bed, you have energy and you want to do stuff. And before, yeah, everything hurt. Everything hurt and it was a struggle. Like I've only got like a, a little driveway, but it's like downhill and it used to hurt to walk down and get my mail and walk back up. Mm. So to, um, yeah, spring out of bed and, you know, do a run, climb a mountain, get on my rower and go for a bike ride and, you know, do your groceries, clean your house, do some chores in between, like make the most out of your life. And I like, I feel like I'm alive now. I'm living like I'm actually, I was good, but, um, I feel like I've missed out on my life. I wasted my life not living, not doing stuff. Like yeah. to live in um, like the Glasshouse Mountains your whole life, or Biwa, so the town over, but um, to live here your whole life and only just start climbing the mountains six years ago. Like they've been there and I'm 35 years old. They've been there my whole life. I lived in Gladstone for two years. The other 33 years I've been here and yeah. I've only climbed them for the last six years. Like I've missed out. Well, you've certainly but I think without my um, weight loss story, I wouldn't be as driven. Mm. I've always been focused, like as a child, like, like with my horse riding, soccer, anything you want to do, like it's 110% with me, like I'm focused, this is what I'm doing. So same with, yeah, losing weight and um, the mountain racing and then the boxing and now the ultra racing, it's 110%. Like I don't want to be average I want to be the best the absolute best I can be and and even some of my results I'm not happy with and still haunt me so we can get into that like UTA this year still doesn't sit well with me so my worst race so the unfinished business there definitely (laughs) you'll be back next year yeah I'll be back next year definitely yeah unfinished business 
Can can we before we uh, start talking about your um, your trail running or your ultra running? Yeah. When uh, how long ago did you take up boxing and and what put you in that direction? Um. So boxing. So what have we been doing trail running for? I'll just for this last year. So right at the start of COVID, when we went into lockdown. So how long ago was that? Like eighteen months ago. Mm. The first lockdown. Um, so I was boxing right up to then. So 18 months before that. So, um, and what led into it? So I was running up and down the mountains, training, um, doing repeats on, I think, Chipper Gargan this day. And I met a guy, I was like running up and down. And he'd done a couple of laps, but I was like lapping him. And he was like, well, I thought I was fit. He's like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, nothing. I just like race mountains and stay fit. And um, we had a bit of a chat and he had a friend that just opened a gym up, a boxing gym. He's like, have you ever done boxing? He goes, it's really good for fitness. And I was like, no, no, maybe I should get into it. That sounds like fun. And I was just going to do like box fitness classes. I was never going to fight or anything. So you start going to the boxing gym and just doing hand pads and hitting their bag and doing box fitness. And um, the coach was like, oh, Rachel, you ever thought about fighting and I was like oh god no I can't fight I'm a chicken I can't fight no way and um he's like okay no worries and he's like oh you're welcome to come to the the night classes if you want that's like boxers only like the fighters and I was like oh maybe I'll come have a look so I started going a couple of nights a week and I didn't spar or anything I just like watched them but I think getting into that environment and then yeah the more I went I was like oh, maybe I can do this this yeah, I know. Like turned up one, and I was like, "Yeah, I want to, I want to spar. I want to have a go at this." I have my mouth guard and stuff, and I got in and got hit in the face a couple of times. I was like, "Oh God, I don't know about this." But um, I think because it excites you, it excites you, but scares you at the same time. So I'm like, "Can I actually do this?" So um, yeah, from there, and I think yeah, I just get addicted to it. And I get focused. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have a fight. Let's do this." So um, yeah. I just <laughs> roll with it. But um, I always sat like a couple of kilos heavier. So between each weight division. So you'd always have to drop those couple of kilos. Like your coach wanted you, like to start with, I think I was 72 kilos. So yeah, I've had to fight at 75 or 69. So they want you right up near 75 or right down near 69. I was like, oh, well, stuck at 72. So you yeah, fight different weight divisions. So I didn't want to put on weight. So you'd always drop to 69. So, um, just to cut those couple of kilos before you fought. So the Friday night, you'd go out, Mount Beerway, tracky dats, couple of sets, run up and down a couple of times and go into weigh-in the next morning on weight. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but I loved it. When Most people, when they get punched in the face a couple of times, it puts them off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I oh, know. See, lucky. See, like I live in the same area. Everyone knows who I am. Everyone knows my husband because I was constantly bruised and had a blood nose and a busted lip. And yeah, I look like a beaten housewife. But um, anyone that knew me or knew Adam, yeah, they were scared for Adam, not me. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But um, I do miss it. Um, I have thought about going back, but um, I think with having a husband, having children, having an earth-moving business, um, really focused on the trail running. Um, you can't do it all. And it's different training. Like I still, I cross-train now. Like I still, I got a boxing bag hanging in my garage and a rower and my garage is set up. Because um, I used to do some boxing training here and like my coach used to come here and we used to spar in the garage. And um, so my garage is set up and I do hit the bag occasionally, but I think it's just different um, muscles and different, um, like obviously upper body strength for uh, boxing, but then carrying all that extra muscle for running, it's going to be harder. Doesn't so, nah. <laughs> <laughs> just ask the wolf. You, you, uh, you ended up as a state champion. In, in 2018. I did, yeah. Queensland State Champion. I went off to um, Melbourne and um, fought for Australian title against Case Scott, which was, it was epic. I like, loved it. I knew I was getting, getting into, but like everyone thought I was crazy. Like, because she'd had 144 fights or something. It was my fifth fight. And they're like, she'd fought, fought, fought all over the world for eight years and yeah, had 144 fights. So, Rich, you can get in the ring with her. I'm like, yeah, like I just saw that as like an opportunity, like to share a ring with someone at that level, why not give it a crack? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. So 
Uh, I didn't win the five, but I, I went the distance. I was proud of myself. I felt like she should have been able to stop me first round with her experience, but um, yeah, I was going to back down. So that's funny. Usually, there's a there's a fight or flight response, and I and the wolf certainly got the flight response. You obviously have yeah. something slightly different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and so like during during the you're talking about the COVID sort of stuff. Um, was it purely because you know the COVID lockdown closed the boxing gym that you became an ultra marathon runner? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, I was homeschooling my kids, and like I said, my garage is set up. So I would just train for three hours in my garage, and I was like, my husband's like, "What are you doing?" Was, I'm like, "I'm training." He's like, "Well, what for?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know, because that's what I do every day. I train." It's like so. It was sort of like yes. A couple of weeks in, you're like, oh, well, what am I actually training for? You got to have a purpose. You got to be working towards something. So, um, my now running coach, running partner, um, Ian, he like messaged me. I met him on the mountains. He was a mountain climber too. He's like, hey, Risha, I hear you doing um, Black Hole 50. Do you want to do some training together? So that's where it all started. And we started training together. And um, I was only just going to do Black Hole 50, all right, just to tick it off, do an ultra. Um, so I started training for that. I ticked that off and um, then he signed up for Guzzler and Coastal High. They were like um, there's two or three, three weeks apart. So over the nine weeks, he was doing all three. And I was like, oh, God, no, I'll just do one. But after the first one, I loved it. Signed up for the second one, signed up for the third one and finished out the year last year with um, three back-to-back in nine weeks. And um, I just found it so challenging. Like running's hard. It's hard. Um, like fighting for nine minutes is hard, but it's nine minutes. Running for five hours and your ankles, your knees, your hips, your arms hurt from swinging them. Like that's mentally challenging because at any point you could just stop and sit down on a log if you want. But, yeah, you got to dig deep and take your mind somewhere else and push through the pain. That's what I enjoy about it. Oh, it hurts. That's um, that's a good segue, actually. I've got a listener question here. Um, it's from Josephine, and she asks, uh, what does your pain cave feel like, and uh, is it something that you've come to embrace? Oh, yeah, definitely embrace it, embrace the pain. Like, um, throughout, like, even my weight loss journey, because it hurt, like, to climb the mountain of that weight, it hurt, so... I just, you just try and block out the pain. You take your mind somewhere else. And now when I'm actually racing ultras and something starts to hurt, I take my mind back to something that actually really did hurt, like climbing the mountain at 142 kilos. Um, well, I can't remember running on a broken leg, but I'm, I'm guessing that would have hurt. Being punched in the face hurt. Giving birth to my daughter in the front seat of my car at 145 kilos, completely natural. That hurt. So I take my mind back to something that actually really did hurt. Like, I'm like, that is pain. You've trained for this. This is what you're here for. So, it's, yeah, it's taking your mind somewhere else and pushing through. But, um, yeah, I know you're, you're working hard. If it's hurting, you're working hard. So I like it. So, so it's like challenging. That's, so good. That's good. So you really you actually... <laughs> You actually didn't do your first marathon, which was a trail marathon, until May 2020. So you've really only been in the sport for 18 months. Like. May, tw- May 2020. Yeah. Oh, when I did that, uh, I did a road marathon. Uh, I've got, got you down for a trail, your first trail marathon in May 2020. Do you remember that, what that was? The Black Hole. Was it the Black Hole 50? Was it May? I thought it was October. It could have October, been. October, no, I did, I did three back to back. I think it was October, November, and start of December. Okay. It's, I think they're all pushed back because of COVID to the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. So, well, Blackhall was my first 50. Yeah. My okay. first ever. Um, I did one during lockdown from my house. It was like an online one that everyone sort of the community got together and everyone just went out and did their own marathon. So I did my first 42.2 just by myself. I ran from my doorstep to Lansborough and did some loops around Lansborough and ran home. And um, yeah, apart from that, I'd never done, I'd done a couple of halves like Sunshine Coast half marathon. 
but um, the 50 at Black Ore was my first ultra. And, and so when you say I ticked that off, because you, you said that before, I ticked that off, you actually won the event. So first event, oh, you, yes, you, you evented. So we shouldn't be quite so uh, yeah, modest as that. You, you won your first 50K, you evented. How did it feel to be sitting on top of the podium after never really running a bunch of trail races before? Um, well, to start with, it was like when I was actually running it because I'd gone out and trained on course. So I knew the course and um, like I enter all these races with it's it's me against me. Um, but obviously I have fun along the way. Like I chase people down and play these little cat and mouse games. Like I'm like, I like to hunt everyone down. But um, I knew roughly like because we'd gone out and done 30Ks, we'd done 35, we'd done 40 on the course. So I knew roughly where my pace was sitting and what time I wanted to do it in. So I didn't want to take longer than five and a half hours. And um, I thought, no, with my fitness level and what I've done and all the climbing elevation, um, like that was a good goal for me to come in under five and a half hours. So I didn't even look at previous results. I didn't even think, you know, doing it in five and a half hours you know, was it a great time or anything like that? It's like, yeah, five and a half hours. We'll just work on that. And um, but as I went through checkpoints, everyone's like, oh, first female, first female. I was like, oh wow, this is happening. And like I was excited, but then I was like, then by the by like 30 Ks or something, and they're like, oh, first female. And I was like, oh God, can I actually do this? Um, and then it was like focus, hold your position at this point. I was like, am I gonna pull this off? So um, yeah um it was incredible like but I did think oh well maybe you know all the top runners haven't entered this ultra or something you know what I mean I just thought oh well you know maybe there's not a lot of competition I didn't know because I didn't know anyone mm. also like this underdog that turned up to a first um ultra and won it so and I just thought I'd got lucky like I didn't even think my time was amazing or anything like that and um yeah. Well, it's certainly so, not luck because you've just about won everything <laughs> since then that you've entered. So I know. <laughs> I, I know. And then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, after I backed up the three, it was like, I don't know. I was just like, oh, well, maybe I can actually do this. And um, I'm not a good flat runner, though. I'll throw that out because I climb so many hills. Um, my hip flexors and calves get stirred up on flat stuff. I need the elevation. Yeah. But um, it's good because I got a nice power hike. It's strong, so I see a hill. I'm like, great, yeah. If I get to walk up this, so we should, <laughs> so uh, a runner that likes to power hike. We should also mention the um the guzzler that you won outright. You that would have been um, oh, satisfying. Um, the guzzler. It is my favorite course. I absolutely love it. It's just it's hard. It's hilly. It's open fire trails. It's not pretty, like Coastal High, um, Blackhawk, they're beautiful and they have waterfalls and they have creek crossings and the guzzler is just, it's hard, tough and not pretty. So that's what I like about it. <laughs> and the first 18Ks isn't very hilly. So they, all the guys run off, they're like race horses. But you can see them, they're a couple of heads, they're a couple of Ks ahead of you. You can see them, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll chase them down later. Once it gets hilly, once that first checkpoint at 18Ks, the hills come and yeah I just round them up from that point and it was hot it was so hot that day but I do all my training like during school hours so mm. all through summer like I'll go hit beer work six times in a row at lunchtime just for the heat training just for the mental challenge too to keep pushing yourself and um yeah just train for any conditions but um that day when I rounded up um Nick at 42k see I didn't realize he was the first male and he's like, oh, Risha, do you know you're in first position now? And I was like, oh, I haven't seen her. No, I'm a female for, for hours. So, and um, he's like, no, you're first overall. He goes, I was leading. He goes, yeah, you're leading because I was just, a, you know, I was running along with him having a chat. He was struggling though. The heat was, yeah, getting to him. And um, from that moment, I ran with him like for a K or something. We had a bit of a gas bag. And um, <laughs> then, <laughs> then I, I toddled off on my way and, yeah, I remember telling myself, I'm like, you're going to hold your position. So that was only eight Ks to go. So seven Ks to go. Cause I, yeah, about a K I ran and, you know, I asked he was all right. See if he needed anything. We had a chat and stuff because it was warm. But um, yeah, then I was like, all right, you got this, Risha, let's go. And then, yeah, that seven Ks, I'm like, you don't let him come up behind you. 
I'm like, you hold your position. And I do that with all my races. Like I, I study people from behind and um, I, I, I take my moment to when I'm going to overtake them. Like I watch them, I see how I feel. And once, once I overtake you, that's where you stay. Like you're behind me. So I, I pick my moments because I don't like people then coming back in front of me. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so it makes it a bit of fun though, too. Like I could follow someone for a couple of Ks and then I'm like, oh no, it's all right. Um, I'm ready to go past them and yeah. But these cat and mouse games, because like obviously um, as you get further onto a race, you know, I don't see many people. So it's sort of like you're out there on a trail run by yourself, just having fun. And then you run into a couple of people, you overtake them. So I play these cat and mouse games like, yeah, I'm just like the the cat chasing down all the mice so well, i think you might be the um, mouse in front most of the time to be honest with you yeah, not anyway. all the people chasing me down you know, well, once you're in the front of the yeah the front of the pack and yeah you sort of wonder if people are going to sneak up behind you have a look over your shoulder here and there but um yeah the guzzler i remember that day and everything just went to plan i don't know everything fell into place and i finished that race strong and I reckon I still had 20Ks in me, maybe even 30. I felt that good that day. That's amazing. So, Do you think um, those early days of hiking up mountains with, you know, 140Ks on board has been the key to carving out that leg strength that um, makes you this top shelf mountain runner? Oh, definitely. The mountains do help. And, like, obviously being that weight, I was very slow to start with. And then as the weight dropped off, then you run up them and you do interval training up them, you do multiple laps. It makes the legs really strong. Um, but some of my races, because I train on course, like I take all my Strava times and um, like my 30K times and I'll compare them to different times of the day, different um, nutrition that I've had throughout the race. And then I'll take certain parts of um, like my split times and have a look at them and I'll be like, well, you know, so this this day I walked up this hill and this day I tried to hold something. I look at my heart rate and you look at your heart rate and your pace and is it really worth it to try and run up some of these hills or is it better to power stomp? And like sometimes I'm only beating my power stomp by 15 seconds by trying to run it, but my heart rate is, is elevated. So it'd be better to stomp it then have fresher legs when you got to the top of it and then run again. So, yeah, I like study all my splits and my heart rates and try and work out the best um, approach to every race. I love that phrase, so, the power storm. Power storm. The power storm, yeah. That's epic. Yeah, that's <laughs> much better than hiking. But, yeah, oh, it's definitely not a hike. There's no poles involved either. Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> unreal <laughs> look let, let's talk about a race that maybe didn't go quite so well for you then i guess we'll, we'll talk about uta 50 oh, and when yeah. i say didn't go so well you came fourth you know <laughs> across the line and we've talked to paige linigo on the podcast who came second that day and uh ruth, oh, she was... ruth croft was number one so you, you know yeah. you're really amazing company there so to come fourth is a pretty impressive achievement yeah. what what oh. was the problem that day what 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 went wrong so I start with old oh, Paige. I had a chat to Paige at the start line. She's a tiny little thing, and um, she was wearing just a singlet and these little shorts. I was freezing to death. I have low iron. I felt like an ice cube running. It was very uncomfortable for me. Um, to even I don't think I warmed up the whole the whole race. Yeah. Um, my professional photos. My lips are purple. My hands are purple. Um, but I had terrible belly issues, terrible. Um, so we've worked out now that I shouldn't have gluten and I shouldn't have dairy, but it is for stomach issues. I usually have a lot of stomach issues for most of my races. I've had gut issues, but we're working on that now. But um, I just stopped four times and my belly was just so unsettled and the cold was so uncomfortable. And I really wanted to come between my black hole and guzzler time for the elevation and the distance. I thought that was achievable. Achievable, like I'm like I can do that. Um, so to come in at five hours eighteen with four toilet stops and um, yeah, I just wasn't happy with it. It was in my mind a five hour course for me. 
and to come in only minutes, I think three to five minutes behind third place with four toilet stops. Like we're talking five minutes at least each stop. Like we're talking number twos. It wasn't just wee stops, <laughs> like very upset belly. Like I was just like, oh, God, yeah. is this ever going to end? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just, I was just like gutted. I had high hopes. Um, I was never going to catch first and second, but um, I believe it is a five-hour course for me. And, um, yeah, but I've learned from that. Like, I've learned, like, I could have just stopped. I could have been like, oh, no, my belly's upset today. I was like, you've come here to race, race. You're going to race, like, pull it together, get your shit together. I kept telling myself. And, um, yeah, I pushed on. But, yeah, it was very uncomfortable, gut issues and the cold. It's just unbearable. (laughs) It was so. Oh, cold, I don't know. What, I don't know what scares me more about UTA. Um, probably the cold. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm really gonna have to sort that out for next year. That was the coldest one they've had like in a decade, though. So coming down from okay. beautiful sunny Glasshouse Mountains wasn't a great day for you. No, definitely not. Um, I enjoyed it though. The course absolutely beautiful. Um, I will do more stair work though. I don't think the mountains help with the amount of stairs like um obviously they're not just like walking the stairs at like the train station or the shopping center or an elevator or something like they're all um like they're big and they're not even or or anything so the mountains do help but um I found my hip flexors were very stirred up for about three weeks afterwards so um I will be doing some stair training for next year good call nice one good call now you've um I recently sort of jumped on a slightly more vegan diet. Um, I want to I want to have a chat about what you would like to eat pre-race. What's your uh, big carby kind of meal the day before? Oh, I don't I don't carb load. No, I don't carb load. Um, I go strict vegan for four four weeks out from the race. Oh, when I say strict, strict, but I have salmon and fish. So, but I don't have any dairy. I don't have red meat um for four weeks out it just keeps me lighter and meat and milk causes so much inflammation to the body so um your body takes ages to break down meat too so to have meat sitting in your belly and you're trying to train while your body's trying to break that down even at night when you're trying to get a good night's sleep and you've got a big steak in there your body's working hard to try and you know process that and break it down so i feel yeah, I'm not getting a good night's rest either. So um, I just find with the inflammation that dairy and meat causes, I'm, I'm lighter come race day. I feel stronger if I do the four weeks vegan mm-hmm. from, yeah, previous to race day. Like I think since by force, what's that, seven weeks since I've raced, I've had meat four times in the last seven weeks, mm-hmm. red meat. And but, so um, what about the day before? What, what's, what's on the plate? The day before? So I have a lot of green smoothies, um, but the night before I race, I always have salmon, sweet potato, and broccoli. Lunch, I'll have salad. I'll have salad for lunch with tofu. And um, breakfast, I'll have a, a smoothie or, you know, you might have some salmon, eggs, um, grilled tomato, mushrooms, spinach. Um, kale's really good. I make sure I have heaps of kale. Oh, are you there? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I can't see you. Yeah, don't worry. We can hear you. Keep talking. Okay. Uh, sorry. Um, I always have lots of um, kale in my diet. It's really good for you. Um, and spinach. So I put them in my green smoothie and collagen powder and dates and blueberries. And, it's a healthy yeah, diet. So I have a, I have a green smoothie every day. And, and so you, you clearly t- staying away from the uh, from the carbs in general terms. What about during the race? Are you uh, loading up on the gels, that sort of stuff? Um, yeah, I have two gels between, oh, well, for the 100 I did. Um, during the 50, I have um, sugar mixes done up in two flasks and I have my water in the back and um, I do carry salt tablets and um, hemi nutrition gels, but I don't eat food. I eat afterwards. I don't know. I don't want to take extra calories in because I find your body's, you're working hard you're trying to run hard especially at 50ks I don't well I've never eaten before um yeah I think with them even the boxing training and stuff um previous um 
like I've, I've done the fasting before, um, before, um, oh, there we go, um, like fast all day and then eat at night. Mm. Um, so, yeah, gels, so usually 15 minutes in. So I don't eat previous to a race. Um, I'll have a coffee and have a barocca before any race. And I usually have that probably like the race starts at six. So I'm up at 3 30. I'm trying, I'm trying to do you know, your morning business. And is it um, good to be hung over before every race? Is that why you have the barocca? Is it good to be hung over before every race? Is that why you're having the barocca? <laughs> no, no. Studies have shown that vitamin C can help you go to the toilet. So I have a vitamin C tablet at night because I have low iron with my um, iron tablet, then the vitamin C and the Barocca. So I think the mix between the two has helped me do my morning poo before I get out <laughs> on course. <laughs> so it's the vitamin C. Uh, I, feel, um, I feel like we're really getting to know you in this chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Probably a little yeah. too well. <laughs> no, not at all. It's unreal. What it's all about it. It's, it's, it's a part of trail running, though. It is. It is important. It is. Yeah. What what do you reward yourself with after the race? What's uh what's on the plate afterwards? Um, so usually I'll go out to dinner, go to Hogsworth and have a steak the night after a race, or go to the pub or yeah, have a steak. Um I, I will treat myself. I will go to Baskin and Robbers and have some ice cream because I'm a bit of a sucker for ice cream, but um obviously it's dairy. So the day after you feel congested and stuff in the face and stuff, but it's worth it. Um, otherwise it'll take me a couple of days because you feel so good feel so good after the race you're on a high you're like oh no I still want to eat good I still want to feel good and so I'll leave it a couple of days before I eat anything bad I do um I do like Nutella too yeah. um I go through these stages where um I, I sniff in the Nutella jar so it's because it's got dairy in it and it's going to give me an upset belly I don't eat it but every now and then I'll have a whiff and um That's after enough. a couple of weeks you know I'll have a teaspoon treat myself or after a race or treat myself to some Nutella but um can you stop also just, like cake too can you stop at just one teaspoon of Nutella oh god no no <laughs> no I actually had two teaspoons last night I didn't even do anything yesterday I volunteered at a race yesterday and I still treat myself to Nutella <laughs> but it's nice it's nice to give back and um so it's nice to see everyone else race and hand out the water and the the watermelon and Super dupers. Nice, nice one. Can I uh, go to another listener question? Yeah. This one's from Jim Opperman. It's actually uh, Hattie's obstetrician. He uh, he wants to know the best car to give birth in. What? The best car? <laughs> what I haven't anymore. <laughs> it was a CX-9. But even at 100, I think I was nearly 148 kilos when I go birth, um, there still wasn't a lot of room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, there was enough. Put up on the dash, went outside. Yeah. In the rain, six o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. Huh. So it was, it was pretty cool, though. Well, not nice. everyone can say they gave birth in the front seat of their car. Nah, not so too She was in a hurry. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I, yeah, a part of me enjoyed the challenge. So, like, I'd actually go back and do it again, like yeah. a whole natural birth. So, <laughs> yeah, would you go, would you go a bench seat car in future potentially? Yeah. Leather seats? Yes, it was leather seats. So So anyone in the area that's driving a CX9, don't be a paranoid. A silver CX9? Yeah, don't be yeah. paranoid. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I want to I want to talk about uh snakes in the Glasshouse Mountains. What what's it like up there? It seems like it's a snaky part of the world. Yes, I have seen a few snakes. And um, I like to say I always carry my bandage, but I don't. I don't. But um, by the time I usually see the snakes, um, they're they, like I'm on top of them. They're like startled. I'm startled. I'm trying to leap over them. Half of them are trying to get out of the way. Every now and then one will stand up at me. So that scares me a little bit, but I'm already trying to like leap over it. So um, I do see a lot of snakes, yes. And what so kind are they? The big scary kind or...? I know I see a lot of baby baby brown ones but then there's a mama there's a mama out there somewhere and lots of other babies so that makes me wary I haven't seen a big one but um I've seen a lot of little ones um a couple of red belly blacks um I saw a big python like just a carpet snake but 
I don't know, they're sort of like just sort of hanging out. They don't want to get out of your way. They're just sort of almost like a sloth. Then they're like relaxed, I suppose. They sort of look at you like, oh, what are you looking at? And yeah, I'm not going to move. You just keep keep on your way, whatever. Um, so they don't really scare me much. But the the brown ones, and I don't know, because when you're running and then you don't notice them, and then they're standing up at you and then you got to leap over them or, yeah, I'm not saying you're running that fast, but you, if you're running down, like there's stairs at um, Tibra Garden. I was like running down one day and um, there's a little baby brown and like obviously I startled him, but he's like stood up at me. So I had to like leap over him as I'm trying to run down the stairs. So, um, but yeah, I try and carry my bandage nearly every day now, but I did go out this morning. I didn't have it, but yeah. I actually thought of snakes this morning because I did the Cooch and Twin. So we have a figure of eight segment that um, we've been doing, which doesn't seem like much. It's only 4Ks, but there's like 478 metres of elevation. So it's quite tough. So um, I do see snakes on the Twins every now and then. I didn't have my bandages this morning. It did cross my mind. (laughs) Fair enough, too. That's good advice. Yeah, but it crosses your mind when you're halfway through, so there's nothing you can do about it. You're like, I'll finish it, I'll make sure I'll pack it tomorrow. That's right, tomorrow. And uh, what shoes are you wearing? I'm wearing Ultras. Um, They've got a large toe box, and I love them because um, I've tried heaps of different brands, and um, I've got a large foot. I've got a size 11 foot for a female, which is huge, and um, infected toes constantly. And um, like I've been in hospital with infected toes only like four weeks out from my first ultra last year, black hole, and um, hooked up to an IV with like, um, like my, my toes were poisoning my body. That's how infected my big toe was. I had to remove the nail and they're like, you're staying overnight, Rich. I'm like, no, I can't stay in. I've got to train. They're like, you can't run. So I was still running on a, yeah, infected toe. And yeah, I've had other injuries like Baker's cyst erupt and, torn calf and yeah I just continue to run through them but the infected toes so large toe box and they're just comfortable um it's hard running with those drip trolleys too do you find that the what sorry the drip trolleys you know <laughs> the when drip trolleys yeah you run ne- you're running next to them holding onto them so the drip doesn't come yeah. out yeah <laughs> with your infected toenails <laughs> yes speaking of hospitals um snakes it's got me thinking about skin are you making handbags with all that extra skin that you had what's what's happened there oh all the loose skin yeah <laughs> see it's funny though because i get this question all the time like oh Rachel, where's all your loose skin and have you had skin removal like have you had um your loose skin removed and like i've got a, like a little bit on the inside of my thighs and my belly has bounced back so well. Like I've got a little, a little little apron, I suppose, but nothing like most people would have. And um, I put it down to losing it slowly. But I talked to my doctor a lot about it. And um, because I was fit right till, you know, I was a, a young teenager, um, it's bounced back so nicely, like muscle memory. And because I've done it over a a long period of time and not try to just say, okay, I'm going to try and lose or let's wait in six months or eight months and, or had surgery and half my belly cut out. And um, yeah, it's been back really nice. So obviously things still jiggle more than what I'd like, but um, to go from what I was to what I am now, I look in the mirror and yeah, I've got to be happy. Yeah, absolutely. It's unbelievable. Such a cool story. I love it. I love it. I'm uh, hoping to get up next year and do the Black Hall 100, which you also won just recently, funnily enough. I'm assuming Anastasia lets me cross the border. What's the course like and what sort of conditions can I expect in Queensland in October? Oh, it's going to be warm. It's going to be nice and warm. (laughs) Um, So what do we got? We got 3,800 metres of elevation, which are... Start with to do my first hundred with that. It, it concerned me because I like more elevation, but um, a lot of it is really runnable. The first section is the first seven k's is road. You take the road through to Condola. You do a nice loop down through the waterfalls, which is beautiful. Then you back out in the road for a few k's. Then you go through Baxter Falls and other falls. So um, and then you go 
what I don't like is you go back to the start finish line for the first checkpoint. So that's just like you're there at 22K. So you still have 78K. So I think that's a bit harsh. Come back to the start finish line, you know, see your crew and then head out for another 80K. So I find that, I found that the hardest part of the 100 is going back. See, I don't like things. I'd rather just do a whole course and start and finish than, yeah, even with 50s and other races to lap back and like do laps. I don't like it. Um, so that was challenging to go back out. The middle section, the bluff, everyone talks about the bluff. It's a, a 2K climb that just, you feel like it's never going to end. So that's after the second checkpoint. So you hit that at 44Ks. And um, so it's just 2Ks continually up and then you'll pop back out on the road. And then um, they got Uber G, which is a, another small climb. Um, you hit that before you come into the 60K mark. And then the, the back end of the course, last 40K is around the dam loop, um, is very runnable if you still have legs. There's a couple of climbs through there, but it's very runnable. And um, you don't see a lot of people in the back end of it. So you're, you're sort of a bit lonely out there. Um, which is good though, you know, um, just you, it, it feels like you're out there by yourself, just on a trail run, but, um, it's because you are out in front by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh yeah. Well, I didn't realize how many people I, um, I had round up in the, the back end and I was, I was looking forward to the, the 60 K because I'd never done longer than 60 K. So I'd done, um, BTU was my longest race. So I wanted to, um, not, not that I wanted to hit a wall, but everyone talks about this dark place you go to that you got to push through and um, every runner finds it. So I was like, I was waiting for it. I'm like, oh, where am I, when am I going to hit a wall? When am, when's this going to come? When's this moment when I'm going to, yeah. So um, I waited for that in the back end. And my Garmin died at 60Ks too. So it didn't just go fight, it died forever. So I couldn't track my heart, my pace um yeah it was just it, it spun me out yeah just after that checkpoint it, it died so for a few k's there, I was like flustered because I couldn't check my heart and I couldn't check my pace I didn't really worry too much about the time but um so um but I like let it go Risha you're still moving well and yeah I was constantly checked in with myself too like your ankles are fine your knees are fine your hips, hips are fine you're still moving and you're putting calories in and you're hydrated and so um yeah it wasn't until I actually got back to checkpoint five at uh 92ks that I realized well I was told then that I was under course record for the females so I didn't had no idea because I didn't have a watch and I didn't obviously check my phone so I don't know yeah if I was a good thing or a bad thing like it's if good. I knew earlier maybe I would have stressed more about trying to run even faster um but yeah, the course is very runnable. It's going to be hot, but I suggest um, you're doing the hundred and you're going to have a crew. Obviously, I well, you don't, you're not going to wear a bra unless you want to wear a bra. Um, I stuffed my bra with ice at each checkpoint to cool my core down, and I reckon that really helped. But also your vest, fill it with ice, mm -hmm. so in all the pockets, keep your core cold. So I did that. And then, yeah, I pick into the vest and eat my ice along the way too. Yeah, nice. So, um, but I found I shoved heat down my bra to keep your chest, keep your core cool. But I found, yeah, even loading the vest. So I'd highly recommend that. But um, first first um, section, it's quite runnable. Then obviously you come into the hotter part of the day, um, the, the bluff loop, the middle section, which is the 50K course. Um, you take that a bit easier and then you know, give it a bit more in the, the back end. So, um, so that simple. would be my um, advice it. for you. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you. That's great advice from the. Uh, oh, and and from the, look the over your shoulder because I'm coming for you. I'll be very surprised if you're uh, not looking over your shoulder a long way back to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so All you're right. not aiming for a sub 10 hour? Woo. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's not be let's not be so hasty. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a beautiful course. You will love it though. Can't wait. All right, we'll uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. So thank you very much for uh, giving your time and sharing your story. I know the listeners would really enjoy that and get a lot of motivation from it. So um, yeah, it was great chatting to you. It was good fun, and we're going to go bra shopping now. 
<laughs> and so we were sitting so you down get a, in the room. A little bit larger so you can fit heaps of ice in there. Yeah, good tip. Yeah. Yeah. I'm usually a B cup, so yeah. I'll chuck. B cup? Yeah. B cup? Oh, we'll go a C. Play yeah, a room for ice. Yeah. Good call. Good call. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll keep we'll keep an eye out for you at UTA. We'll we'll chat we'll chat in May. Yeah. No. Definitely. Thanks so much for having me on. No worries. No worries, Risha. Have a great day.